Right, uh, looks like we're live. I'd like to welcome everyone to Non-Leaf Podcast. It's episode 55. Uh, I'm Chris and Smith up here in Motherwell, just wondering when the FA are really going to destroy the non-league game. And uh, here in Berkshire, it's, uh, it's the return of me, James Potsby. It feels, uh, feels like months since I last did a show. It's great to be back and I'm uh, looking forward to, uh, to this show. There's plenty to talk about. And just up the M4, it's me, Rob Overfield, sat in miserable West London in which the weather never seems to do anything worth talking about. But we've got non-league for that, so we'll stick with it. Yeah, uh, we uh, missed last week, uh, one reason or another between us all. Uh, And uh, we're back again, and I didn't actually get to a game this weekend uh, because we... Trinity were away at Fylde and I had uh, unfortunately a lot of other things going on this weekend so I was hoping for a home tie but uh, uh, we went up to Fylde and lost 3-0 and how did Hampton get on this week? Uh, Well we had a trip into Wessex this week we went to Whitton Town and um, slightly went against us in the fact that we scored in the 25th minute and in the 30th minute we were down to 10 men and the score was one apiece and it it just sort of went downhill from there. We lost 3-2. It's the way it goes. Yeah, now uh, I didn't get to a game as uh, Callum had a, a trampoline in competition, so that kind of took up a little bit of time on Saturday. And unfortunately, the game I would have gone to would have been Bracknell, but they lost at uh, at home in the uh, in their league, one of their County Cup, League Cup games. They lost 4-2 after extra time at home. So... Sounded like an interesting game, but unfortunately, I didn't get along to it. Well, you you know that everybody wants to know how did Callum do? He came fourth. He didn't do too badly. That's, that's all right. Yes, he's only been he's only been doing it a few weeks. Yeah, very, even better then. Very proud. Good. There's uh, going to be lots to talk about this week. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of a jumble round because top story is. Um, going to be about the uh, managerial merry-go-round but I just want to get a couple of things out of the way first of all if that's all right with you two um I'm going to be brief and I'm going to mention them um the Bulls over there at Hereford were suspended um (laughs) through was it not a fit and proper purpose a person's test and I believe that they've now been given extra time for winding up and the suspension's been lifted and I don't want you to go off for too more long, Rob, but <laughs> it's just ridiculous, this. And I've got to say, it is making a mockery of the FA and it's destroying a once good club. And the fans there, you just wonder how much more they can take. It's true. I mean, um, just this after just this lunchtime, the uh, hearing at the High Court was adjourned for the ninth time. Yes, nine times the High Court judges called an adjournment on this case. This time, they've been given till Friday to put mon- to get money into the club and to start paying the debts. Personally, I'm not convinced. Um, it's all a complete mess, and to be honest. The town of Hereford deserve better than this. They really do. The people who are trying to run the club have run it. Uh, let's put it this way. I wouldn't trust them to want to run a hot dog stand or be a balloon seller in, on the on the seaside because it doesn't seem as if they really know what to do. You know, they keep saying they've got the money, they keep getting it adjourned and they keep going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And to be honest, I just wish they'd just pack it in and go home. It's just wasting a great club like Hereford. It's pathetic. Yeah, I know you didn't, and we didn't want to dwell uh, on Hereford because it's such a a situation where we've been on about it for months, and uh, we know the heartache that's going on down there. And it is time for them to walk away and just uh, mm. carry on. Um, and we've seen another club who uh, had a bit of a problem uh, over the summer and were thrown out of every league. Um, so they're a club without a league at the moment, as far as I'm aware. But uh, I think I've I've got good feelings uh, with Steve Claridge getting involved at Salisbury City. Um, I don't know whether you want to make of this one, James, but I think it's good news for Salisbury. 
Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, uh, you know, as Rob says, and, and we all agree, the, the Hereford situation's just, you know, it's gone beyond fast now, hasn't it? And, you know, the, the Salisbury City situation was it, was, it was threatening to go down the same sort of route, wasn't it? And, you know, they were thrown out, of, thrown out of the conference, thrown out of every, as you say, out of every league, left without a league to play in this season uh, due to uh, various irregularities. And, it, it it must be just absolutely horrible not to have not to have uh, a club to to support. Um, thankfully, uh, they do seem now, as you say, with Steve Claridge and uh, and a consortium uh, buying the club, uh, they do seem to be in with a you know in with a good chance going going forward from uh, from next season. Um, at the moment, they're looking to uh, looking for for the supporters to choose a club's new name. Um, the uh, there are six choices looking at their website at the moment. There's City of Salisbury FC, AFC Salisbury, FC Salisbury City, Salisbury AFC, Salisbury FC, and Salisbury Corinthians FC, which is a bit of a left field one. Um, but it, you know, it does look like they're gonna they're gonna resurrect the club, um, and the, you know. This is probably the same sort of situation that we're going to see with with Hereford eventually. Um, you know, they were suspended last week, but it was you know it was lifted in time for them to play at the weekend. Um, and as you say, you know, I, I tweeted out about I think it was about half eleven this morning when we when I found out. You know, I said Hereford uh, adjourned again. You know, why are we? You know, what else do we expect? You know, we're not surprised at it now, are we? It's, every time they have a winding up petition, we just expect to go on the BBC site or whatever whatever other site we get our news from and expect the headline to see it's been adjourned again. Um, it's, it's just becoming a farce now. And it's set, it's set in a dangerous precedent because any other club that goes into any sort of irregularities now are going to be able to cite this case and say, well, they got adjourned eight or nine times. We you know, we should be allowed to be adjourned once or twice. So it's going to be, it's going to be a messy one. But yes, in terms of Salisbury, it's, uh, it's looking a little bit brighter for them at the moment. I don't know whether you've got anything to to add to that, uh, Rob, uh, regarding Salisbury. Because the two stories are intertwined, in my opinion, with it being um, unusual for the FA to allow two clubs... Well, it's not obviously, it's not unusual for the FA to allow clubs to be taken over without doing the due diligence on the people taking them over, where you've got Salisbury and Hereford, where effectively it calls into question what uh, they're wanting to do um, with the uh, directors and chairman and the owners when you've got two clubs like that who are in such dire straits and maybe it is time for Hereford to just say, right, call it a day, make the Phoenix club, come back fitter and stronger or even because you see, like FC United, uh, FC United and Manchester, a community-owned club can do a lot. Or you look at Halifax Town, or Chester, or any club. Um, in, is it Portsmouth, I believe, or something like that? But <coughs> or even the mighty AFC Wimbledon, who have got a bye to the fourth round of the FA Cup, as they got Liverpool, um, <laughs> who. Uh, who've also a fan-owned club, and look what they've done in a number of years. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that uh, they couldn't beat the mighty Hampton and Richmond um, when their time's during the non-league, but maybe it's time for Hereford and Salford. Salford uh, Salisbury, we know we're going to do that, and Hereford, it's time that they did that as well. So I don't know whether you've got anything to add to the Salisbury situation, Rob. Not really, other than the fact <laughs> it's great to see that somebody's willing to you know, put money in uh, the consortium led and fronted by Steve Claridge to to build a new club. They've got the stadium. They don't need to worry about that. Um, and all they need to do now is put a team together and it'll be interesting to see what league they end up being accepted into. I think it probably will be the Wessex League, possibly the Wessex League Division 1, um, having to start from there. And... Um, they'll be worth watching for a few seasons because, you know, some players will want to go and play because they'll be playing under Steve Claridge because he is actually going to be manager as well. So 
you know, they're worth watching, but I think it's great news for Salisbury, and I think it's great news for the town. And with a bit of luck, they will come back because it's a great place to go. And um, to see somebody, you know, willing to go and put faith in the town like this, it can only be praised. No, I think it's uh, great news uh, for Salisbury. Um, you may have su- seen a story that I uh, put in the rundown this afternoon, um, and I think I titled it, The FA Try to Destroy the Non-League Games Slowly but Surely. Um, and it relates to something that's not non-league, but has a very uh, bitter taste in my mouth. Uh, I don't know whether you you recall last season, you two, that... Uh, Back end of September, games for Trinity were thrown out of the FA Cup for fielding an ineligible player who was on loan from a local club and the FA um, claimed that they didn't receive the notification in time and despite an email trail proving that it got to their servers and it was their server at fault, they uh, decided to throw games for Trinity out. But... Today, they've told Chesterfield that, don't worry, uh, you've fielded an ineligible player. I'll just have another replay. And uh, it'll go to extra time penalties if nothing happens. But it's really a bitter pill for me to swallow when you've seen this, uh, I'm not sure it's last season or this season, when Sunderland fielded an eligible player. They didn't get... Uh, even the points docked off them. They just got a fine. And you look at Forest Green. Uh, they got points deducted, offered to replay, in fact, appealed to the conference for a replay and didn't get anything and said, no, you're not allowed. You've lost the points and that's it. And so you just got to think, or I've, I've got to think of how much money do you need to have or is it just the better lawyers that mean that you can say to the FA, well, no, actually, we're going to replay the game. And uh, I've done some little calculations uh, based on the average gate at Chesterfield of around 7,000. If they get that, their average ticket price is £22. So that's £150,000 nearly to be shared between the two clubs. Um, despite the fact that Chesterfield should have been out. Um, they should be out of the competition. And I have to admit, when I first saw this story breaking, I thought, mm, "This is going to create. This is going to create waves. Going to stir up a few ripples." But I never thought it would do this. You know, I was fully expecting the FA to, you know, follow the, of given in other situations from a lower level. And apply it to uh, to professional clubs, but apparently the FA don't seem to want to. As we said, um, Kristen Sunderland the other season, no points deducted, slap on the wrist, and a fine. Here, it's a case of Chesterfield. They didn't get written permission from the club that they loaned the player from. Just got a verbal one, and then found out they were in trouble. If that would have happened to a club in the lower reaches of the non-league game, it would have been thrown out on the rear possibly even suspended from the next season's competition if it was a serious enough offence. And yet, if you're a professional club, oh, it doesn't matter. No, 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 you can replay the game. You know, it's an honest mistake. I would, what I want to say about the FA in this respect, about the decision with Chesterfield, um, well, let's put it this way, it would, uh, well, my, my mother wouldn't approve of what the words I used, <laughs> but it's just ridiculous. You know, they have one law for the professional game, one law for anything else below the league too. And yet they expect us to say, oh yes, we trust you because you're the FA and we know you're running the game for the good of, you're running it for the good of everyone. The country, you know, football in this country has never been as good as it's ever been. To which I would say, what complete not a rot. The FA are only consumed with one thing and it's money. Formation of the Premier League was for money or to avoid losing money. And everything else, a case of if you're a professional club, you can bend the rules so far that they come back around on themselves and you can still get away with it. I'm sorry, but the people at um, FA headquarters who are making these decisions, where's the consistency and where is the justice? Or where's the backhanders? 
there's possibly a bit of that, Chris, and I wasn't going to mention it, but you feel free to do so. But there's definitely a case of one law for you, one law for anybody else outside the professional leagues. And if anybody wants to disagree with me, fine, but the evidence is stacked up out there, and it's just so so obvious that you just can't wonder <coughs> that people are losing trust in the FA, people are wondering you know, what is actually running the FA. Is it being run for the good of football? Are they running it for the good of everyone? Or are they running it for themselves and their own pockets? Answers on a postcard, please, but not, not too many because my postman wouldn't like it. But it's just a mess. Well, my, my um, big problem here is for, you know, it's with, you know it's, I hate to say this, but I kind of feel sorry for MK Dons because Chesterfield won at Stadium NK with an ineligible player in their team. And yet MK Dons, all right, they've got a second chance. But they should, you know, surely they should be thinking, hang on a minute, they, Chesterfield broke on the rules and beat us. We should take their place in the next round. Mm. But you read the story on the FA website and it's a, the final line in the story is the decision is final and binding on all parties. And so, well, hang on, surely MK Dons have a right to appeal that because if I was MK Don, you know, if I was the chairman, the manager, a fan, the player, I would be, I would be insisting that, you know, on an, on a chance of an appeal because Chesterfield should, as you said, they should be, they should be thrown out. Simple as that is the only, the I mean, only option. Yeah, I mean, precedent, precedent is on Milton Keynes' side. Yeah. Every winner, all the way through the leagues, all the way through history, you feel an ineligible player in a cup in a cup competition, you'll get thrown out. It's happened just this last week for Tunbridge Angels in the yeah. Ryman League Cup. They fielded an ineligible player. They admitted they did so. And they fully expect to be thrown out of the competition when the next Isthmian board meeting is. Fair enough. You Which I believe is. This week, isn't it? I think. It is this week, and that's called. And that's. And I mean, I've got, you know, I've got a bit of time for Tunbridge in this because they've realised they've made a mistake. They reported themselves to the league, and they were going to take the punishment. Here, Chesterfield have got got away with this. Milton Keynes should be furious, but because of the way the FA is structured, saying this decision is final and binding all parties, that is just a way of saying. We don't want you to look at it. We don't want you to investigate anything. This is our decision. Like it or get out. And if that's the way the FA want to treat, you know, the greatest cup competition in the world, the teams in it and the teams that are looked to get into the third round, you know, the non-league clubs, you know, that we've all seen like Bright Spartans and Worcester and the rest of them, you're basically saying... You put in, you play an ineligible player, you're out. But saying it to someone, you know, like you know Chesterfield, oh, don't worry about it. Replay the game, and it'll all be fine. You know, I really want to say something really rude at this point, but I, I'm fully aware of exactly what what would happen if I did. Well, but it's just, I'll... it's just ridiculous. You know, the case of there's just no consistency in what they're trying to do, and it's just, it's, I'm sure as you know, as a pair of you have said, both you, James, and Kristen, it's to do with the money. The FA Cup can't be seen to be brought into disrepute like this because it's two professional clubs. The world would hear. Whereas last season, you know, like with Gainsborough and a few others, the rest of the world didn't even know about that. But when it comes to the second round of the FA Cup, oh no, can't have any bad headlines on that, can we? Well, no, it's it's just, the league clubs are involved. We can't, yeah. we can't have that. Um, <clears throat> just to, I, think they uh, must, I think the FA must be listening to us because I'm trying to navigate around the site looking at things and uh, it just keeps crashing on me, does the FA.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, well listening to us. I've just That's found just a plenty. little interesting site. Uh, it's from the Shields Gazette about the Sunderland uh, situation last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, Oxford City, Harrogate Town and Kidderminster, uh, sorry, Alfreton, John Walsnop, uh, Alfreton, they were all deducted points uh, from mm. fielding an ineligible player, and uh, so th- there's precedent there. Say Trinity, I'm I'm a bit bitter because Trinity were thrown out uh, last year, and you just I I just don't understand how 
the difference is. As far as the FA told our representatives who went, you didn't supply the information in written format by 12pm the day before the game. You are out. We don't care whether it was on our server. We don't care if we didn't read the email. You cannot prove we got it. Therefore, that is it. It's, it's done and dusted. Even though it was myself that proved that the FA actually had it because it was their server that the football conference use, but uh, that's by the by. Um, <coughs> so just just looking, at, I think we should we should move on because it wasn't going to be the top story, and, and Chesterfield aren't. But <laughs> I I just think it shows the disdain for which the FA have for these semi-professional clubs and amateur clubs at the lower levels who are mm. the bedrock to their own pyramid, mm. but they don't seem to care about that. They only see the shiny bit at the top. And yeah. if the base whittles away and disappears, then it all comes crush- crashing down, but they're not interested in that. And speaking of crashing down, we've our top story is actually going to be to do with managers. <laughs> Hi, it's the manager's office. Ben. Oh, yeah, that's me. You're fired. Yeah, this week, um, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about managers. It's Christmas and nobody likes to see anybody lose their job. And nobody likes to see anybody uh, losing anything uh, that they need at this time of year. Well, any time of year, really. But uh, Libby came up and said to me the other day that uh, we've gone past the ninth, or oh, sorry, the tenth of December, which means we're now past Relationship Transfer Day, which means if you're with somebody or the club, you're not going to lose your job until at least uh, December the twenty-sixth. Um, that's that's her opinion, uh, not mine. I'm pretty certain there are other people who I would like to lose their jobs even on Christmas Day because they're doing that badly at it. Uh, but nobody mm. associated with Gainsborough Trinity, I will just uh, say that. I'm going to start with, uh, well, I'm going to let one of you two start with Bashley. And I think the only thing I can say to keep this non-explicit is WTF. Four managers in yeah. two months. What? Yeah, I mean, I happened to spot this early part of the last week. I should say the later part of last week, because this came out on the um, 11th of December. Um, the current manager, Dominic Cunliffe, uh, has decided um, to step down due to changing circumstances, which is fair enough. But when you do a little bit investigating, Bashley, um, since... October the 9th to whoa, December the 11th, um, Cunliffe was the fourth manager. <laughs> Andy Dartnan, Graham Speechley-Price and the interim boss Martin Sp- Spears have all been and gone at Bashley in that time, in two months. It's just... You just can't work out. I mean, fair enough to Cunliffe. He decided that his circumstances meant that he couldn't carry on. And I suppose when he took the job on at the start of December, he probably felt that everything could be fine. But a sudden change just before Christmas has left Bashley in a bit of a a bit of a sticky problem. Um, they're not having the great of seasons, and. Uh, to uh, have to appoint four managers in the space of space of a season to date, it's going to it's been a very busy busy committee. <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, you say they're having a, a bad season. I'm just looking at their um, at their fixtures, and they've only they've won once since the 9th of September, and have lost every other game. So. Mm-hmm. Um, 10, 11, 12, that's 13 defeats in the last 14 games. Mm. And going back all the way to the start of the season, and they've actually only won one and drawn two. So, yeah, they're in, as, as you said, we're in a right old mess, aren't they? Um, I'm actually, next April, I'm going down to, to Bashley for, for a few days. So I'm wondering how many managers they'll have got through between now and then. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, no one, no one seems to be able to, to be turning that club around. They were 
we talked about them a few times last season, didn't we? With um, mm, mm. possibly going out of business and that, and you know, if they ca- if they carry on like this on the pitch, you know, it could get to the point where the chairman's going to think, "What's the point?" Um, he got relegated last season, and well, I think we're pretty safe to suggest they're going to going to follow suit again this time. Um, amazingly, they're not bottom. Uh, Bishops Cleaver are two points worse off than them with three points uh, from 20 <laughs> games. Bashley have five from 21. So, But, yeah, um, there's obviously something going on there that, you know, whether people, are, you know, whether the managers are going in, it's not, they're not getting quite what was um, what was promised to them when they took the job, you know, or whether they just didn't realise just how bad things were or, you know, whatever. It's, it's a sad state of affairs and, you know, as I say, in light of what we uh, what we mentioned once or twice last season, it's probably quite worrying times for for Bashley fans. Or, I mean, you know, are they are they just heading back down to, uh, with all due respect, to a more suitable level? I mean, you know, Southern Southern Prem's and now the uh, Southern Division One. Are these, you know, are they at the moment in their current state of affairs? Are they uh, are they at too high a level? Well, given the size of the club, it's reasonable to suggest that they are punching above their weight. I mean, Bashley's in the New Forest, so it's Hampshire and Dorset Way, somewhere on that border. Well, it's, it's a lovely little ground, isn't it? Yeah, we, it is. We, we, were, we were there, what, last 18 last months season. ago? For, yeah, the last pre-season, yep. wasn't it? Yeah, last for a, for a friendly. And... It's, a, it's a really nice ground. It's a really nice place to go. And, um, you know, the committee that was working there at the time were... Uh, we're obviously doing a great job, but you know it's possible they have just you know reached a little too far too quickly, and um, because they haven't got a big community behind them, um, they can't really rely on the people around to um, help you know support them and keep them going. They've got to do everything you know on a on a slightly harder level. So yeah, hopefully things will settle down at Bashley. And uh, they will be able to uh, at least get some respect this season because I think it will be beyond them to try and <laughs> you know, get together enough points to avoid relegation. But you know, if they can get a little respect back and you know, only miss out on the final day of the season or similar, then you know, they, at least they've got that for themselves, which although it isn't much, it's better than nothing. No, I've just been lo- looking through uh, a couple of things. Uh, they've got an average uh, attendance, according to the uh, Evo Stick Southern, of 139. So uh, I'm just trying to work out whereabouts in the scheme of things that is, as far as their division's concerned. I don't. It's That's not bad. bad. It's not bad. No, nowhere near the lowest. Um, but no, obviously it's not that's the. Not, that's not too bad. Let's uh, sort this there. They are thirteenth. Well, sorry, twelfth out of the uh, yeah. twenty-two teams uh, for so. an average attendance. Uh, so they're not doing too badly from no. that side of things. But I think it's trying to get the stability again on off the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it would be the best thing for them. It's a horrible thing to say, uh, but. I don't know whether you recall um, what happened to Worksop Town um, last year, where for a different reason they had to be. I think they ended up being relegated about three divisions, mm, and they're I now do. in the Northern uh, Counties uh, Eastern um, Prem, mm. I believe, and they are build, rebuilding themselves. They're still getting. Mm three, four hundred people going through the gate because now they're watching the team win. Uh, like at the weekend, I think, or the weekend, it was either last weekend or the weekend before. It was, uh, um, no, it was, it was Saturday just gone. They beat Glass out and 10-0. Um, and so, yeah, well, you're not going to see that every week and uh, the, t- the fans at Bashley may not see that every week. Maybe dropping down could be the best thing for them to rebuild and come back again and put mm-hmm. something in. We mentioned Bishop's Cleave, uh, who are sitting bottom of the Evo 6 South. Um, not to try and jump too much into um, the hat-trick watch, Bishop's Cleave have conceded three hat-tricks uh, over the course of the season, and uh, Bashley have conceded two. 
Um, so it's a, an interesting thing to see how they're going and how they're closely matched as far as the mm. team's concerned, including mm. this weekend when Merthyr Town um, conceded, well, beat them 6-0 mm. at Bashley, uh, including Hattrick uh, for mm. Trailer again. So it's a, it's a sad situation, but also a strange situation because the chairman um, from what I can read is trying his damnedest to try and do everything. And mm. him and his wife are taking a lot on and trying their hardest to get everything, keeping everything together and mm-hmm. trying to keep it going. But um, there's only so much they can do. And Indeed. It's not, he's refused, uh, Dominic Cunliffe, who's uh, just left, is refusing to, uh, rule out a uh, return at some point. Um, but uh, I think they're now striking out at the uh, media, um, looking at this, that they're, uh, yeah, they've been thrown into disarray, and this is on their own website. Uh, but I think this is uh, a reprint of the Bournemouth Echo, um, that they're in a bit of disarray when the manager resigned just after 17 mm. days in charge. He did say it is a genuine personal issue and it's nothing to do with the club or anything along those lines. Mm. It is purely down to personal circumstance. He he did stress that a lot, did uh, Mr. Cunley. So we know that Mm. happens and we know ourselves. um, It's all, when we're dealing with non-league, it's not not a case of we're not all paid. Uh, Well, I don't know whether you're paid. I'm not paid at all. and there's a very little money around and people do it for the love. And even even the, the managers, because we're about to talk about a manager who I think could be going places because we're going to move on from Bashley and we're going to look at Ebbsfleet, who we mentioned a couple of uh, weeks ago that they uh, lost their manager. But now they've appointed, quite interestingly, I think, um, here... They appointed uh, Jamie Day, who was at Welling. And it could just be my memory, but didn't Welling just play Ebbsfleet in the FA Trophy last Saturday and go to a replay? Uh, they did, yeah. Um, they drew one all. He was in the stands for that game, I believe. He, um, I think he's due to be in charge for the for the replay midweek, um, which should be quite bizarre for him, really, is because I believe the replay is at Welling as well. So yes, um, but you, we we often hear Derby managers, particularly in the professional game, um, depart clubs saying they've taken them as far as they can. Um, but in the case of Jamie Day and Welling, I, I think that is probably as true as it gets. Um, I mean, he leaves. He leaves Welling United 17th in the uh, in the conference, uh, very healthily placed. Really, of 29 points from 25 games. You know, they're they're a good good few points above above the drop. Um, and you know, in in all fairness, that's that's probably a, about as high as he as he probably could take Welling. Um, you know, still a part time club, I believe, in a in division of ex-football league giants, if you like, at this level, um, with the likes of, you know, Wrexham and Lincoln and and Barnet and, and Macclesfield, Bristol Roves, of course, you know, there is, you're just competing with massive clubs at this level. And, you know, for him, for him to have taken Welling United up into the Premier and then to have kept them there for, you know, for numerous seasons now, what is it, three, four seasons possibly? It's cutting that way, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal achievement. And, you know, as you say, Kristen, he, he's definitely a manager that's going places. And as he said in his own words, when he's, when he's made the move, you know, he's taken a step down to move on, to move forwards. Um, of course, obviously, uh, are in the Conference South, but they've... Um, you know they've got the they've got the backing, haven't they? They've got the they've got the finance to to really make a go of it. They're currently, mm-hmm. you know, they're currently fourth, um, good way off Boreham Wood on the, at, at the top, um, ten points adrift of, of Boreham Wood with one game in hand. But you know, put together a good run, and you could you could soon start reeling that in. Um, although Boreham Wood do look pretty uh, pretty unstoppable at the minute. Um, but a playoff campaign, and if all else fails and you know you go again next season and probably be installed as favourites so I think it's a a great move for him I 
you know, I, I feel a little bit worried now for for what it will mean for for Welling going forward. You know, you often see when a when a talismanic manager like that leaves that you know, without putting too fine a point on it, the only way is down sometimes. And you know, it's an incredible achievement that is that is done there at Welling. And you know, if you can if you can live with the uh, the the added pressure of of being at at, the, at one of the big fish in the divisions at Ebsleet, then you know, as long as he can live with that and deliver deliver the results, then that you know, if if not this season, then certainly next season he'll be he'll take them he'll pin back up into into the conference. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Mm. He's done done really well with Wellington. I mean, it's not a great, it's not a big club in a big fashionable area, you know. And for them to for him to keep the club where he has and what he's done, it was no great surprise that. Um, Somebody like you know an ambitious club like Ebbsfleet would start thinking, well, you know, there's the manager we want. Let's see what we can do, and um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he can do at, uh, at Ebbsfleet because it's a uh, it's a club that can definitely go places. And if Jamie Day has the same effect that he did at Welling, yeah, I can easily see uh, Ebbsfleet in the in the uh, conference itself and being, uh, you know. Bit like a wasp sting on the bigger clubs and staying, you know, mid table again. No reason why not. And making it sound like I planned all of this, um, when um, Jamie Day left uh, Welling to join Ebbsfleet, the uh, the following day, Welling were playing Telford, and Welling won. And I've got to think that that is a contributory factor to the fact it's all change at Telford, um, who are sitting bottom of the F, uh, sorry the uh, conference, um, the Vanarama Conference, and uh, they uh, lost. I believe did they drew? They drew at the weekend, didn't they? So they didn't even lose at the weekend, and he was sacked <laughs> along with his. Um, assistant uh, which i apologize for laughing a little bit it's just one of those situations which i know james that you just can't believe uh what's going on no i mean it, <coughs> all right okay yes they bottom they've you know they've only won four out of 24 games fair enough but what what do they expect they were relegated the season before last he came in liam watson left southport where he was doing a fantastic job as well took them straight back up, winning the club's first ever divisional title in the process. He took them to the second round of the FA Cup for the first time in the club's history. And this is how they repay him. They, you know, they sack him. I, I don't understand what they were expecting when they went back up into the into the conference. They can't have been expecting to be in anything other than a relegation battle. All right, yes, they are, you know, they, they are well, well adrift at the bottom. But, you know... What, what were they expecting f- to to happen, and and what are they expecting from whoever takes the job on? I mean, who's going to want to take that job on? Follow, you know. I mean, it's a it's a big act to follow, taking them back up to the to the conference, and then, you know, this, as I say, the second round of the FA Cup for the first time ever. It, I, it, it seems like it's a it's a poison chalice that one. I, I don't know what more Liam Watson can do, and. I'm certainly sure that whoever they bring in won't be a uh, you know won't be as good a manager because uh, as with Jamie Day, I think Liam Watson's got a, a big big future in in the game, at least in non-league, if not into into the football league. Um, and I, I think Telford will uh, will go on and end up regretting this. I mean, it's curious given everything that he's done for them um, for this to happen. It sort of begs the question. What were the undercurrents that were going on between him and the board? It's when, when you're delivering the um, results that he has, okay, they're not in the conference, but he's done a lot for them since he was there, since he joined them in 2012, and he's just they've just basically said, "You've not done well in the first few months of the season. Thank you very much. There's your cards." And it's a case of what. You know, it's it's another one of these decisions that you sometimes wonder what the what the boards of the respective club um, was based its decision on, because it sure as sure on earth can't be on um, on performances. Okay, as I said, they're finding it hard in the conference, 
but he's definitely got ability there, and you could see that in the you know last season and a half, two seasons. And yet they basically said, well, you can't do it now. You, you can't do it immediately. So therefore, we want somebody else. And I think FC Telford really need to sit down and decide what they want and what the future should be for the club. Because although they want to stay in the conference, if they're going to keep bouncing managers like this, then, you know, it's, it's madness. I mean, okay, transfer windows coming up not too long away for the conference, I believe, because I think they're... I think they've got the windows, haven't they? I think they yes. have. Yeah, yeah, the conference have, have yes. Yeah, so it's, it's a case of that will open up on January, and January 1st, and because of it, an in-new manager will have two weeks to look at the squad he's got and see what he can do to get players in. But then again, why couldn't they extend that opportunity to Liam Watson? You know, why couldn't he have that opportunity to, you know, battle the way through December, get to January, try and freshen things up, change players around, let players go? And have a go, you know, trying to keep them in the conference. But as it's turned out, it looks as if there's been a, a disagreement somewhere, and Liam Watson's the ones that paid the price. Um, you know, it's going to need a strong character to take over that position. Somebody who can stand up to the board and say, "You brought me in to run this team. Let me run this team, and lead, give me the resources to do so." I mean, the only the only thing I can think. I mean, I've listened to um, quite a few of his post-match press conferences because you know, on the non-league show, they always. They always like to play out here. So, you know, he's very forthright, very straight-talking, very honest. And if he's like that with the press and that after the games, you can only imagine what is, you know, how he comes across maybe to the board. And mm. as you say, Rob, that might have that might have ignited a few conflicts. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're talking as, as outsiders here. I mean, the evidence is there for all to see, as I say. You know, they are, they are bottom. In fact, they've only won three out of 24, not four, as I said. You know they are they are adrift at the bottom of the league. So results-wise, yeah. Um, but I'd love any any Telford fans to get in touch and and tell you know and tell us what they think of of Liam departing because as I say, I cannot see it improving. Um, you know, I mean, was when I remember. Do you remember when Steve Burr left Kiddy? Um, it was a similar sort of thing for me. You know, and you look at the table now, and they're still tenth. They're still up four or five points off the playoffs and. And 15 mm. off Barney at the top. So are they any better off than they were when they got rid of Steve Burr, who I thought was doing a pretty decent job there? I'm you know, with, with the Steve Burr situation, year, though. You know, as you say, the deadline's coming, the window's coming, and I think chairman get trigger happy. I'm just wondering a little bit with the Steve Burr situation, whether he, the the Chesterfield, the, the Chester FC job was mm. the catalyst to moving him on. Well, he'd gone from Kiddy before he took the Chester job. It was there was a few days between. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, he could have been in the back for, of his mind for legal anyway. reasons. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, Liam Watson. He'll be he'll be the next the next job in the conference that comes available. On you know, Welling United, the they're available. Who's that? But, sorry, Welling United. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. He could. No, end up in I there. I agree with you. Um, he's not been given enough time to. It's. It's always the thing. I remember, like Dario Gradi at Crew. What was he there for? It seemed like a lifetime. 128 years, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they stuck with him. He's still there now, isn't he? Is, is, he, is he director of coaching or something so like that? Somewhere there, yeah. But what I mean though is that he was, he was there. You look at uh, even Ferguson. You look at uh, old Big Sir Alex, and you think <laughs> if the Man United board, when he took over, didn't think, yeah, he's going to win some um, and sacked him after his first few years of nothing, absolutely nothing. Just remember that, all you below 25-year-olds who support your Man United, there was a time when your manager was crap. Um, that, um, And you look what he did. Dominated the game at the top level mm-hmm. for 20 years just by giving mm-hmm. a little time to build his own squad. Yeah, And I'm just... We're just about to move on to another one who um, Lincoln have actually finally got rid of uh, Gary Simpson uh, after putting him on gardening leave. Uh, but I'm just doing a little look on the, uh, obviously, the font of all Norwich Wikipedia. And you're looking, Keith Alexander uh, tragically died in May 2006. So mm-hmm. that's eight years ago. And in those eight years, they've had six managers. Mm. And 
that to me is telling because <clears throat> some of them have been very or relatively short lived, um, such as Chris Sutton only had a year in the position, and mm-hmm. but none of them have actually done any good. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking, the win percentages are. 40% is the highest, and that was straight after. Uh, that was the, the season after um, Keith Alexander left, and that was John Schofield. He had a better win percentage. But mm. they've appointed Chris Moises, uh, who is a local man. He was born in Lincoln, and he's played for Lincoln City and for Halifax in the league, and then played mm-hmm. for Boston and Shepston and mm-hmm. Grantham. So he's been very localised, and he's managed in the past. He's managed um, Lincoln United. He was assistant boss, uh, and they are in um, the Evo 6 South, I believe. Uh, and he's also managed Lincoln Moorland Railway, who are in the United Counties Eastern League. Uh, and now he's been put on a 12-month rolling contract at Lincoln City. And my only thing is it's the same chairman, I believe, over four or five of those managers. And so maybe it could be higher-up direction that's needed rather than the management changes uh, at that level. Uh, I don't know whether it's it's, it's a thing, because we, we, we all know at non-league, the chairman has a lot of input. So to bring this background to Hereford and Salisbury City, um, that's why they're supposed to be really looked into and uh, given uh, the thumbs up that they're good enough guys to run a football club. Um, obviously, I'm not questioning uh, Bob Dorian, but I'm just... Knowing um, and knowing um, being fairly local, I also know that the current Scunthorpe um, chairman um, was interested in taking over Lincoln and uh, ended up going to Scunthorpe because nobody at Lincoln wanted to uh, what is hiding a hair of him and his uh, pots of cash. So I think it's an interesting one and also leads me to suspect that maybe the chairman should be in the country a little bit more than uh, the Lincoln City chairman is. Because sometimes it's... Uh, we've yeah. just been going on about results, and sometimes it's not all about the results. It's about how the club's been run completely. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm just reading... Uh, I just did a quick Google search on Bob Dorian. Of course, he's the one that said the conference wasn't viable, isn't he, a, mm. a few a few weeks ago. Um, but when, uh, when Garrison Summers initially relieved of his duties at Lincoln. Uh, Bob Dorian came out and said, they, uh, the club is so cash-strapped, they cannot afford to hire a new manager from outside the club. Mm-hmm. So, um, and this was after, you know, just after Chris Moises had been uh, had been put in caretaker charge. And um, so it's probably no surprise that he's got the job permanently or on that rolling contract. It, you know, it sounds like he would have got it whether he'd lost every game or won every game. So... It's um yeah it's a, it's a strange one as you say he's a he's a bit of a character isn't he Mister Dorian and yeah maybe he could do with being a bit close to home for uh, a bit more of the season. But uh, who am I to say as I'm in Motherwell and uh, my team <laughs> are two hundred and fifty nine miles away from me at this minute. <coughs> well, let's just go- a little aside um, going back to Liam Watson. Um, uh, I was just reading on uh, on on the old Wikipedia there that they uh, they clinched the Conference North title by beating uh, Games for last. Uh, yes, the last, they uh, did. Last um, remarkably enough, uh, Phil Barnes was in goal for Gainsborough, and um, there were three of our players who, um, to me, played out of their skin that day because. We were safe and we weren't particularly that bothered, and we were there to, we weren't there to make up the numbers, but we also were looking to. It was a horrible pitch. the The pitch, had it not been the last game of the season, uh, would have been called off. The referee almost admitted as much, uh, because it was waterlogged. It wasn't a playable surface really, but they had a bumper crowd. Um, it was a nice atmosphere, and yeah, oh. Phil Barnes, our goalkeeper, played out of his skin and just wanted to show, well, he's not going down without a fight. And for me, he was our man of the match, despite the fact we lost 3-0. And mm. uh, 
it was just one of those uh, one of those games where we could have put out. You could almost say you put out Liverpool, Man United, or the whole city, um, put them out, and they probably would have lost as well because the atmosphere there was electric uh, to to go through and uh, for Telford to uh, go back up. But let's move on to some happier climbs, unless you are a goalkeeper, um, because we've got some hat-tricks because we're doubling up this week. Round about now, it's time for Hat-Trick Watch. I'd uh, like to thank uh, Libby uh, at Libster Clark uh, for compiling the list of hat-tricks for us. Uh, as per usual, if you do spot a hat trick that you uh, want including, then give her a tweet at Libster Clark, or you can always tweet uh, at Non League Pod uh, to uh, get the hat trick included because we will occasionally miss some um, because uh, we try and get as many as we can, but we can never be sure. I'm going to start with Mario Ambalo at uh, Collier's Wood in the FA Vars third round. 9-2, uh, they beat Lingfield on the 6th of uh, December. Unfortunately, we didn't record last week, and so he's not player of the week, but, oh, he would have been so much. Five goals, including a four-minute hat-trick in amongst those five goals, and in anybody's uh, shape or form, that's just absolutely amazing. I don't know what you two think about that one. Yeah, well, I mean, considering he didn't score until the 57th minute and then 31 minutes later he had five goals, I think that's um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good going. I, you know, Without looking at the report, I don't know if he started the game or if he came off the bench, but yeah, certainly would have been last week's player of the week. Mm. I spotted this um, when I was actually going through the uh, the other fount of all our... Uh, the uh, esteemed organ, the non-league paper, and it was in their roundup. Um, and I have to admit, I don't know whether Mario started or not. But um, you know, when you go from getting one goal on 57 minutes, and then bop, 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 before you've got time to breathe, you know, three, four minutes, three goals, and you've got four on the board. And uh, to round it off with one just before the end is, you know, it's a case of you. Uh, this really is one of those performances that you just do not see very often. And uh, poor old Lingfield, they must have gone off the field at the end of that, losing 9-2, thinking, why did we even bother travelling? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a case of when one player gets five of the nine, you think, you know, couldn't he have stubbed his toe this morning and given us all a rest? <laughs> it's um, it's amazing, though, and it's like I say, you know, been a show last week, that would have been player of the week, player of the month, I'm sorry, it's just a great performance. And uh, somebody else who had a good time um, was uh, Duncan Cully, uh, who is at Farnborough. Now, I'm trying to... No, it's not here. I think Farnborough won 4-3 at the weekend. Uh, I'm just trying to check because it doesn't actually say. Against Western Supermare. And his was a 13-minute hat-trick. So, once again, that's another fast time. He's actually... Um, Started off the season, I believe, at uh, Bromley uh, before, maybe may even been at, down at Shortwood United before uh, moving up into... Uh, yeah. Oh! It was, it was at Hampton as well, Kristen. For 10 days. <laughs> For 10 days. <laughs> what did, did he do to him? Yeah, he did actually. Twice. <laughs> so, actually, he scored a hat-trick and Farnborough lost as they uh, lost 4-3 to Weston. I finally got that to come up. Mm. So it's. Uh, I didn't didn't realise he had been to you guys as well. Well, only briefly because uh, I think um, I can't remember which club he was at previously. Where was he at, James? Yeah, Brom- it was Bromley. definitely Bromley, wasn't definitely it? Definitely Bromley, and I think it was a case of and he'd been at Shortwood. It was. It was just looking for. I think he was just looking for minutes, looking for game time, and he wasn't getting it at Bromley, so he came to Hampton on loan. And then he had such a good performance in the FA, uh, I think it was the FA, uh, no, it was the Ryman League Cup, that was it, that uh, Bromley immediately called him back and sent him off to uh, Farnborough. And he scored on his debut for Farnborough, because uh, he only transferred in November, and uh, he's uh, grabbed another hat-trick at the weekend, but couldn't it stop It seems a bit loss. strange 
Why would you send him to another Conference South team? Money. Farnborough, not the Conference South. Well, this is it. I don't know. But given the choice, what would it be? Send him to Farnborough or leave him at Hampton? I mean, it's not. I suppose they're at the wrong end of the table, Farnborough. They're at the bottom end. So, just seems a bit. You know, if he's doing doing well at Hampton, leave him there. He can't damage you there. He could quite easily go back and damage Bromley. This is very true. It's unfortunate. He's allowed to play against them. But was he on loan with you? Yes. Whereas he's probably been compensated, paid to go to... He's, uh, yeah, he's probably a permanent uh, farm, I guess, yeah. 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 That's, that's all I'm solemn working on. I've, I've shut that window now, so I can't see. <coughs> um, but moving on from there, um, we've gone from Farnborough losing 4-3 uh, away at Weston with a hat-trick on their side to uh, Osset Albion uh, up there in the Evo Stick North, uh, first division. They lost 5-3 uh, away at uh, Droylston, but uh, Owen Bauer scored all their three goals for Osset. And so it must be gutting that. You've you've done everything you can do. You've grabbed a hat-trick and uh, you mm. then still end up on the losing side. Um, <clears throat> we're moving back to uh, I think one of the best names uh, in the um, in the league I think from when I was growing up is uh, Lee Cropper who's had a couple of hat-tricks this season and he grabbed another one uh, for Norton United as they beat uh, Tividale 4-3 away uh, and this was uh, back on the second uh, because uh, they were recording this a little bit later than we normally would do. Um, Ryman Prem seemed to have forgotten how to score goals again. <laughs> mm. As yeah, have... Middle of October, the last hat-trick, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I saw one of them too. It's, it's a long time <laughs> ago, it seems. Um, nothing in the Ryman North this week. Uh, Chris Roxham, uh, sorry, Chris Finch at Roxham has decided not to score a uh, score a hat trick this week after grabbing a couple of hat tricks <laughs> recently, um, and so we go down to the Ryman South. Now, I've put this man in as my vote for Player of the Week, uh, only because uh, he's the only person who scored as many goals as he has. It's uh, Curtis Gaylor at Worthing, and they beat uh, Three Bridges six two at Three Bridges, and he scored four of those goals. And in midweek, he also scored in the. Uh, the win that Worthing had as well. So he's grabbed five goals in two games. Uh, so for me, I think out of everybody, he's my uh, player of the week this week. Yeah, I think I'd be happy with that. With it being uh, an away game, it's always uh, always adds a little bit more. I mean, coming on to the Southern Prem, we have got a, a four-goal haul as well, but that was in a home game, I think. So yeah, I'm quite happy to go along with that one. Yeah, that looks like a good uh, good call. Um and he's done well as the, as the lad this week, so, you know, yep, that's one for him. Well, that's the thing. We're going to move on to the goals galore, as we like to call them. Uh, we're going to start in the uh, Southern Prem, where Drew Roberts grabbed his second hat-trick of the season back on the 6th uh, in a 6-5 home win um, for St. Neers against Dorchester Town. So <laughs> you're looking at that one. That's 11 goals. Um, mm. So let's move on to the next one, which is Nat Peacock at Hitchin. Uh, they beat Biggleswey Town 7-3 uh, away on the 2nd. So that's a 10-goal haul. And uh, the one you've mentioned already uh, was Scott Wilton at Poulton Rovers. He grabbed four goals as uh, Poulton beat uh, Arsley um, 6-2 uh, at Poulton. So you're only looking at eight goals there. Uh, but yeah. come on, that is just ridiculous, the number of goals in a week mm-hmm. out of three games. <laughs> and why are they all in the Southern League? That's the question. Why the no... Body and all the league can rival them in terms of goals in each of the three main divisions. It's just, you know, I mean, there's it'll probably text things like, you know, the Ryman and the Evo stick, you know, looks a couple of months to get this number of hat tricks. So perhaps, um, defensively, the Southern League isn't as strong as it might be. No, 29 goals in three games there. It's just mm. astounding. Oh, moving on to David Colin. Dinsky, he grabbed a few hat-tricks last season. He's already grabbed a hat-trick this year for um, Rugby Town. But on the 20th of November, he transferred to Kettering. And uh, once again, this was an in, if I rec- if I know my league a little bit, uh, I think this was a, an in-league transfer. 
So he's transferred in the Southern Central from Rugby Town to uh, across to Kettering. And he grabbed his hat-trick uh, against Royston this Saturday, uh, including the third one three minutes into injury time at the end of the game. Um, but he was very happy because his first three goals for the club. He'd actually already got 20 goals this season for rugby. So uh, he knows how to find the back of the net. Indeed he does. Yeah, that's a bit of a coup for, for Kettering, isn't it? Signing, signing him, he'll, he'll certainly fire some goals as they, uh, as they look to... Uh, to move up into to step uh, well step two, presumably conference north, I guess. Um, yes, well, they would go to the Southern Prem first because they're in oh, Division of course, One sorry, Central. Yeah, the Southern Central, aren't they? Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, I do, yeah, I do recall them being um, against Gainsborough a few times. Um, but before the financial problems hit, uh, we're going to finish down there in the South and West uh, Division One for the Southern League, where we've already mentioned Bashley having a torrid time. Well, they were on the back of a 6-0 loss at the weekend against Merthyr with Trailer grabbing a hat-trick, his second in uh, what, a month. And down there at Shortwood United, uh, Langworthy grabbed a hat-trick away at Bishop's Cleave, which is their third hat-trick they've conceded this season. So uh, I'm just looking at that that you can see why those two clubs are sitting rooted to the bottom of the southwestern central. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, when you're shipping goals like that, then yeah, you're always going to be down there. Um, it's going to be a long half season for both those two, I think. And so I think talking of long hard seasons, I think some goalkeeper could be in a problem. <laughs> And finally, the part of the show where we take a look at the lighter side of non-league. Send any suggestions in to at non-league pod or at under the league on Twitter. Let's see what we've got this week. Over to you, James. Yeah, so we mentioned this uh, this goalkeeper uh, just a few minutes ago. It's Phil Barnes of Harrogate Town. Uh, they were at FC United of Manchester on uh, on Saturday in the uh, in the trophy. Um, Brilliant win for FC United uh, from the obviously from the NPL Premier. They they thumped uh, their Conference North opponents four uh, nil. Superb performance, performance of the season by all accounts. And their captain Dean Stott scored a rather bizarre goal to get things underway after after what about seven minutes I think. Um, there's a free kick played into the box which Phil Barnes uh, picked up, threw it out to uh, to his left left wing um, where. It kind of just went a little bit ahead of ahead of the player, and Dean Stock came in just as a on a fifty fifty sort of challenge, cleared the ball, and it sailed straight over Phil Barnes' head and into the top corner. It's uh, one of those bizarre goals, but it set uh, it set FC United on their on their way to a to an emphatic four nil victory. So we, I always like to see a bizarre goals. I remember last season uh, someone scored a spectacular own goal um, mm-hmm. against FC United. Um, you know, well, scoring it for FC United, I guess, um, mm. from about the halfway line. He tried to back pass and just put it straight over his own goalkeeper's head. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I always like a bizarre goal. So, uh, quite a good end finally this week, I think. Mm. Yes, I mean, this is just one of those that, you know, 99 times out of 100, it just flies off of a goal kick or a throw in or, you know, anywhere. And uh, I, reckon the, I reckon the poor old keeper, Phil Barnes, did it was. I reckon when he... Got back to the dressing after that. He felt lowered than a worm. Just case of, you know, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. And yeah, it did. Well, I will, it's uh, spectacular, though. I will, I will say, um, it'll be up on the uh, the show notes. Uh, I do feel sorry for Phil because he's such a nice bloke. He's such a laugh and he's a big character in the dressing room and on the field. And I know that he wouldn't have been happy with that. But uh, it's been fun talking to you guys. Um, James, we've not spoken to you for a few weeks, so just remind everyone where we can find you on the internet. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's uh, nice to actually be able to finish a a show for once and uh, and be recording again. Uh, Fun as always. uh, On Twitter and Facebook, it's under the league. And the website, which I am kind of in the process of just having a little rejig with and uh, getting... Get it back producing things again is underthelig.com. Um, 
believe, well, we, ha- we have a new writer who's uh, supposedly going to the first game at FC United's new stadium, and we'll be writing about that and, and all things uh, in the NPL and Harrogate Town, I believe. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that, and hopefully uh, underleague.com will be up and firing again soon. And Rob, um, you not had to do a programme tonight or last night? No, but well, no, that's because I'm starting Saturdays tomorrow night. <laughs> um, got a bit of time off this week, so I can send it into the printers on Thursday, Thursday lunchtime um, because uh, I'm taking a couple of days from work due to uh, a certain anniversary uh, coming up this week. So it's uh, so yeah. The only thing I've got to worry about is making sure that the one for New Year's Day is done. But you know, that's one thing that you get. I'm still out there on Twitter with at Robo. One day, you lucky listeners will find out why and how. Well, thank you very much. You can you can always follow me uh, at Quiston, uh, but I don't really tweet that much. I'm too busy doing my day job and following games for Trinity up and down the country. But you can follow the show at Non-League Pod or visit the website and sign up for the newsletter, the nonleaguepodcast.co.uk. If you do want to uh, send in some hat-tricks, please get in contact with Libby uh, at LibsterClark. But uh, I think really the most of what I want to say is uh, what have you been doing? I uh, thank you for listening.